Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Altar Fire. I'm Tatiana, just a stranger passing through. And today's topic is rest. I'm taking scriptures from Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30. And I'm going to read... The Tree of Life version and the Passion Translation version for you guys tonight. The Tree of Life version reads as follows. At that time, Yeshua said in response, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and discerning and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was pleasing to you. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The word of God for all those who are hungry and thirst after righteousness. Today's topic is rest. As that beautiful passage demonstrates, I'll read the Passion Translation version next, but first I'm going to dive in a little bit and catch you guys up so you know the context of where Jesus is saying this and what's going on at the time. So in chapter 11 of Matthew, Jesus has just finished instructing the 12 who will later be known as the sent ones or apostles and he had sent them out two by two with nothing in their purse and to go quickly you know you know don't take an extra purse with you don't take extra don't take your purse don't take your extra tunic you know stay wherever it is who invites you in and if the son of peace be there let your peace rest on that all that so the 12 are not there with Jesus when this is going down. They are out on assignment. And he's healing the sick, raising the dead, opening blind eyes, healing the lame. And the disciples of John the Baptist have come with a message from John the Immerser asking, are you the one who we've been waiting for or shall we wait for another? Instead, they're wondering if he's the Messiah. And Jesus is like, go tell John this and all that you see and hear. And so in that hour that they're there, the dead are raised, the sick are healed, the blind have their eyes open, the lame walk again. Um, He's just doing signs, miracles, and wonders galore, right? And then he tells them, you know, blessed is he... And he's like, the gospel's being preached to those who are broken and poor. And he's like, blessed, is they, blessed are they who are not offended in me or by me. You know, who they don't find a chance to stumble because of him. Because Jesus is a stumbling stone to those who reject him. 
And, you know, when they leave to go and deliver the message to John, he turns around to the crowd of people that's there who's hearing his teaching. He's doing all these signs and miracles for. And he asks them, what they go out to the wilderness to see? Because, you see, here's the thing. John was sent to prepare the way before him. And so if they would not receive the testimony or the invitation granted by this seemingly wild man preacher, because, you know, he's out in the middle of the wilderness. He's not preaching in the churches or local synagogues or the regular gathering places. No, he's out in the middle of the desert wearing some camel skin, eating locusts and wild honey, talking about repent. That's his message, by the way. He only had one message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <laughs> that, 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 was his, that was his whole message. And, you know, if you rejected that, you were going to reject the Messiah who was on his hills, which is Jesus. So, this is what happened, is the Pharisees heard what he said, but when the tax collectors and all these other people, like, who was living, who was living trife, heard John's message, they're like, I need help, I need a savior, I know I'm ratchet, that was their attitude, so they went down there, they got immersed by John, they went and listened to his teaching, actually put into action what he had been saying, but the Pharisees didn't. Most of them. And, well, of course, they end up later on being the ones who will get rid of Jesus. But, you know, that's for later. In either case, after um, Jesus tells them who John the Baptist is, because he was the Elijah to come. He was the prophet who had the spirit of Elijah on him. And that he was anointed to do that he turns around and denounces the cities where most where Jesus Jesus turns around denounces most of the cities that he worked his miracles in because even though these places the people had gone out they had heard John the Baptist Jesus is walking around in their cities doing things that have never been seen nor heard before and they've only ever heard prophesied about hundreds of years back to the point where it just sounded like pure fantasy right and he shows up and just starts doing them lepers are getting cleansed like people whose skin's falling off because that's what leprosy did it, like it kills your nervous system so like people was like missing limbs and stuff from leprosy like he's cleansing them so all of a sudden they're no longer with this vicious skin disease their limbs are growing back they're no longer missing fingers and stuff and their noses ain't falling off like everything's completely restored like he's going to town healing people doing all these signs miracles and wonders you would think that because he's doing all these things People would believe because of the signs, but they don't. You don't need signs and wonders to believe. He's He showed up and proved that you're not going to believe just because he comes and shows up and does 400 billion miracles. No one believes because of, necessarily because of miracles. 
that's a topic for another time. So he gets to this place, he denounces these cities, and then in like right at the end, after he makes it very clear that these places that got to hear the good news and see the miracle signs and wonders made manifest that it'd be more tolerable for Sodom in the day of judgment than them. And, you know, he turns around and praises the Father and gives thanks to him because he's hidden the great revelation of his authority from all those who are proud, they're full of themselves and wise in their own sight, in their own eyes. And instead he reveals it, the, the greatness of his authority to those who are humble, those who don't have an extremely lofty opinions of themselves or their abilities. And they know they need help. They know they need a rescuer. They know they need a savior. They're not, they ain't tripping, you know. And they can come simply to God and be like, you made us. You can help us. We know you can. And we know that you're willing because you're good. You know, like a child doesn't really expect evil immediately, you know, from someone who's in a position of authority whose job is there to protect you know that same trust that a child would normally give their parent or the person who's taking good care of them you know those are the people who treat god like that those are the ones whom he reveals his kingdom to and so jesus is here giving him praise for that and making it clear that if you want to know the living God who made everything, the Son has to reveal him to you. And if you really want to know who he is, you have to go to the Father to find out who Jesus really is, you know, that he's the Son. And it's really, it's this whole thing where... They give honor to each other. And then on the hills of this, Jesus invites people. They're tired of doing things their own way. They're tired of carrying all the weight and the shackles and the burdens of life. They've grown weary with breathing. And he invites them to come to him. Because he will refresh their life. He's their oasis in the midst of a harsh desert type world. And he offers to join their life with them. He's like, come, join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. That's what he means when he says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Is that he's not demanding. 
He's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to let him be your strength. He's not asking you to have it all together and to fix everything. He's asking you to trust him enough to rely on his strength, his power, his way of doing things, his righteousness, by the way. That's what righteousness is, the right way of doing things. His way is the right way of doing things. And he wants you to rely on him to learn how to do things his way and he's more than ready to teach you show you and to strengthen and empower you to do things his way and it's an open end invitation you don't have to go through life alone he's never once created you to go through life alone he's omnipresent he's always there it's like trying to say that you're walking around down here and there's no air. There is air literally all around you. If there wasn't, you'd die, right? Just like how air is there all the time, all around you, so is he. You are never alone. And you can rest in him because he is a safe place. He's the safe place. And you can partner with him to do life together with him and learn a more excellent way, the excellent way of living. And he will be that rest for your soul because you're not having to do it alone. Not only are you not having to do it alone, But it's not all going to crash down like a deck of cards when you make one single mistake. Because he's already factored all the numbers. He's already deducted and and already calculated for all the things that you're going to do that you don't know you're going to do that's stupid. And the things that aren't stupid that you're going to do. You know, he's already done all math. He knows everything. It will be okay. You don't have to be tripping. You don't have to be stressing. It's not necessary. If you're stressing, it's because you're not resting in him. And how you rest is you simply walk over to him and hand him the thing that you are just allowing to consume all your thoughts, which you don't have to be doing that. You can decide to just give it to him And instead talk to him about something else. Because if you hand it to him, he will take care of it. Period. The thing, life is too heavy for any of us to hold and carry by ourselves. Like, I'm, look, I know we all want to be superheroes and we all want to be the greatest ever. But, you know, the reason why people like superheroes so much is because you can still relate to them because they're not always super and even when they are always super they're not always strong they're not invincible jesus is and even in the midst of 
taking on our weakness, dying our death, paying the penalty for our choices, even at that weakest moment where he actually became sin to atone for us. He is still the strongest, most mightiest, ridiculously overpowered person you'll ever meet. Because in spite of all that, he still rose from the dead. And that's really the big issue about the cross is that he became our substitute. And when he rose from the dead, you see, the resurrection is a big deal because it means we now have supernatural empowerment to live right, to do right with pure motives and intentions we don't have to walk and live a double standard anymore we don't have to do things the wrong way or we don't have to be wrong on the inside and just externally do everything that looks right on the outside when our hearts are far from good We don't have to live like that no more. Because of the resurrection, we now have power to do the impossible. Do you know it's impossible to love without the living God having actually poured out love for us in the first place? We only love because he first loved us. So you can't give what you haven't received. And you've received love. That's why everyone's able to actually love is because it's been poured out. Jesus was poured out. Jesus being poured out like an offering, like a drink, was God, Father God, showing his love for us by providing a way out of destruction for us. That's why Jesus is the only way. It's not that he's being narrow-minded. It's not that he's being mean or hard. It's that if there was any other way to save us, Jesus would never had to come and die and be raised from the dead. When he rose from the dead, he gave us power to live a completely God-honoring and obedient life in a God-honoring life with pure motives and intentions, something we couldn't do before. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And now you don't have to worry that heaven won't hear you. Because of what Jesus did now, when you cry out to God, he will hear you. Because the blood of Jesus has put you in right standing with the Lord. And if you don't know Jesus, understand that he died for the world. According to John chapter 3, verse 16. A lot of people know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Everyone seems to know that verse. But do you know the verses after it? Verse 17. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. The world has been enslaved and dead through the power of sin and death. The law of sin and death is what put the earth in such a desperate state. But through Jesus, we no longer have to walk and live according to the law of sin and death. But here's now the condemnation that is there now. So John 3, 18 says, so now there's no longer any condemnation. Isn't that great? We don't have to walk around feeling condemned anymore. It's nice, right? For those who believe in him, but the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they do not believe in the name of God's beloved son. Verse 19. And here's the basis of their judgment. The light of God has now come into the world, but the hearts of people love their darkness more than the light. Because they want the darkness to conceal their evil. Verse 20. So the wicked hate the light and try to hide from it. For their lives are fully exposed in the light. Verse 21. But those who love the truth will come out into the light and welcome its exposure, for the light will reveal that their fruitful works were produced by God. And you see, I'm going to shut it down with this. You see, when you come to Jesus, it is God who works within you, both to will, to desire, to will, to choose his good pleasure and he's the same one who works within you to do that which is well pleasing in his sight so you're never again having this thing where you don't have the power to do good you're not living in romans chapter 7 romans chapter 7 is the state that everyone in the world lives under apart from jesus by trying to do good but they're not empowered to do good because they're trying to keep all these rules and regulations but the only way to actually walk in righteousness is actually through relationship Position has been taken care of through the cross, but the thing is, if it was just about position, religion with rules and regulations would have worked. But because the only thing that could work in our hearts is relationship, it's it has to be relational based. It's not really optional. Because if you rely on this cold form of rules and regulations that you do, it's far from your heart. It doesn't take care of the issue. You see evil in the world, it's not because God's not doing his job. You see evil in the world because people's hearts are evil. And they're doing what they want to do. Even when they don't want to. They're choosing darkness instead of light. It's not God's fault. And no one has to like it, but God is good. 
And it's his goodness that's actually offensive. It's part of the reason why most people are actually offended with the God of the Bible is because he's actually good. He's actually fair. And that's a whole nother topic for another time, whether you guys agree with me or not. Like, I like I could bear it out with scriptures, but we're going to do that some other time. You just need to understand that God is good. Whether you want to believe it or not, whether you believe it's true or not, that don't, make, that don't change it. That don't make no difference. Because everyone will know and find out. You know he's good. That's why when people hear God is good, it rings true. The ones that it doesn't ring true for, usually they're offended with him. They don't like him. They don't want to do nothing he says to do. Because they want to do what they want. They want to live how they want. They want to be their own God. You know, the issue about the law of sin and death is that realistically... It's when a created being, it it ended up getting in place because a created being decided that it wanted to be God. When it was a created thing and not God. And the adversary is the original narcissist. And everyone who chooses to be their own God will eventually become just like him. And because they choose to become just like him, they will become, they will get the exact same results in judgment that he has. He's already been sentenced. He's awaiting confinement. And it's not going to be pretty. And Jesus said that hell was made for the devil and his angels. Hell was not made for human beings. God wrote a book about everyone. See Psalm 139, I believe. Read the whole thing. Change your life. God wrote a book about every single human being. And it's a good book about all the wonderful things that he dreamed of us doing. That he put plans and motions provided for supernaturally empowered us to do we're created to do wonders on the earth there's not one person who's ever sent into the earth to be anything but a blessing not one but not everyone chooses to be who they were created to be Remember, it's all about relationship. And the thing about relationship is that you get to choose who you want to be in relationship with and who you don't want to be in relationship with. And that's the thing is that God loves you so much that he'll let you choose him. But he loves you so much that he'll let you reject him. Because it's not love if you don't have a choice. And you can feel however you want about it, but at the end of the day, he's already made a way for you to escape whatever situation is ensnaring you, whatever situation is trying to drown your hope. He has made a way of escape, and his name is Jesus. And you can believe me, or you don't have to believe me. 
it's your choice. But why not pick the one person who thought you were worth dying for? Why not? It's not hard to invite him into your life. It's so easy a child can do it. That's what Jesus says about the gospel. Is that you must be... The kingdom of heaven is like this, to where you have to become as little children to enter into it. It's so simple. A child can just walk right into it, just as easy as they could breathe. And so, I'm going to end with this. Jesus loves you. God the Father loves you. Neither one of them are responsible For the horrible evil things that have happened to you or been done against you. People made choices. They were being brainwashed by darkness. Hassled by evil spirits. And if they did not choose Jesus, they obeyed whatever those evil spirits told them to do. Because without Jesus, you don't have the power to resist evil spirits. Because you have the same nature as them. And that's the thing. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross made it so that you don't have to keep the old nature that Adam and Eve, um, when they made their choice, it changed our base nature. So now every human being is born into the earth with this nature of sin, which manifests which in its purest form is selfishness, actually. And so selfishness is not healthy. It's not natural. But it's the way that we are all born into the world now because of Adam and Eve's decision. It's the law of inheritance at work. You know how you inherit whatever your parents had? That's what happened with us. We inherited what our first parents chose. And so, yeah, I know. A whole bunch of people are like, that's not fair. Da, 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 da. Well, it is pretty fair because it only took one man. Just like, it took one, just like it took one man to destroy us, it took one man to save us. That's why Jesus is known as the second Adam. So it is fair. Calm down. You'll be fine. Jesus is the second Adam. So just like... All of us fell because of one man's transgression. Now all of us can live because of one man's obedience. Jesus was perfect obedience in the flesh. He like he just like, at no point in time did he disobey the Father. He earned. He's the only person who has ever or will ever earn heaven. He came from heaven. Lived a life that earned heaven and then died in our place so that we can gain heaven. God's not mad at you. Jesus paid the price for you. All you have to do is accept the free gift. And here's how you know that you've accepted the free gift. Your heart changes. And even if you still get those momentary flashes of crazy where you where you just picking stupidity, 
it's no longer a longing in the very depths of your soul. Now you long to do what is right. Now it bothers you when you do evil. And not because it makes you look bad or because you got caught, but simply because that's not you. Because it's not you. You have a new nature when you accept Jesus. But if you don't receive Jesus and what he did for you, you keep that old nature that only wants to steal, kill, and destroy. It's the nature the devil has. And it's the nature of all the children of disobedience. You can either choose to keep the nature that's destroying you. Or you can choose to do things the way the one who's willing to give you a new nature. That no longer desires wickedness. You can choose life instead of death. But it's a choice. And those are the only two options. Life or death. Blessing or cursing. You're... There's no middle. There's no gray. Please stop listening to those people who want to make things gray. There is no gray. All right? There isn't. It's black and it's white. You don't have to like it. No one does. Just so you know, I kicked and screamed too. But I understood that there was no gray. It's black or it's white. And you don't have to agree with me. You don't even have to believe me. That's your choice. It's your prerogative, D. I ain't mad at you. But you can't say you weren't warned. And you can't say that nobody cared enough to say anything to you. If you're willing to receive Jesus, if he's tugging at your heart right now, if you're tired of living and all things are vanity and worthlessness and striving after the wind. If you're tired of feeling directionless and pointless and purposeless. If you're tired of feeling like you're wasting your time every second of every day. I'm not telling you to try Jesus. I'm telling you to receive him. Receive the goodness of God. Stop striving against him. You're wasting your time doing so. Why fight the one person who not only believes you're worth dying for, but they believed it so much that they were actually willing to take action concerning it. And it wasn't enough to die for you, but they rose up in power so that you could live in victory. Why not? Live for the one who thought you were worth dying for. Because if you really do choose him, you will live for him. And you will live his way. Not your way. Not what you think. You live according to his standard. I'm making this perfectly clear. Not because... I'm trying to put a bunch of rules and regulations on anybody. But because I know there's a lot of confusion out there. I know you guys have heard all sorts of whack job nonsense that is not scriptural at all. That is far removed from the truth. That creates all this uncertainty. 
And this is really just a straightforward thing. Which is why I'm taking the time to say it. Jesus is the one who said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And if you're wondering where that can be found, it can be found in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Those are not the only places where you will find Jesus or Father God or Holy Spirit telling you, if you love God, you will obey God. Period. Okay? So, I just gave you some scriptures, though, to help you find it as quickly as possible. Because you're going to hear a lot of people say that they love God. And you're going to learn that they don't. They are deceived. They really do think that they do. And there are those who they're in process. Because remember, when you get your new nature, you're born again. You're born from above. But is any ba- is anyone born full grown? The answer is no. Everyone's born a baby, right? Maturity process. So, there's a maturing that has to take place. The person who tells you they love God might just be a baby. In the spirit. And just like a baby in the natural spits up, vomits on people, poops and pees on themselves, what do you think a baby spiritually is going to do? Not everything that they do is cute or non-gross, right? So it's the same thing. Don't be surprised if you see people stumble. You're not perfect either. You don't do everything absolutely correct at all times. So why are you so quick to judge and point the finger at someone else? Mind your own business. Now, if they want and now if they run around saying that they love Jesus, but they in the club every single night and day, they're probably a trap. They're probably a terror. They're deceived. They're definitely deceived. Chances are they probably don't know him. Because if they knew him personally, if they're in an actual relationship with him, talking to him daily, and actually listening to what he has to say, and taking the time to find out what he likes and dislikes, they wouldn't be doing that. Period. I don't care what they say. The scriptures make it very clear, and people are going to be very surprised that when you meet Jesus face to face, he is exactly as he has said that he is. You meet God face to face, he will be exactly as the Bible describes he is. Nothing less, nothing more. He's exactly who he says he is. And I know you're not used to people being as good as their word, but God is as good as his word. So I'm going to leave that alone. If you want to receive Jesus tonight, or today, whatever time of day it is, wherever you are, makes no difference to me, except that you have a chance to be free for the first time in your life, legitimately free in every sense of the word, and clean, and pure, and set apart as holy unto the Lord. And so, with that being said, it's really you're extending the invitation. Jesus, please come into my life and my heart. I 
thank you for the sacrifice that you made so that I could finally be free of darkness and sin dwelling within me. You have my permission to completely change the way that I am, the way that I do things, and the way that I choose to think about everything. Please make me new and help me every day to love you and obey you and walk in unity with you. Amen. Understand that when you pray that prayer, you're saying no to darkness. You're turning away from it. That word repent means to turn away from evil and to follow after God. Okay? So the prayer that you just prayed, if you prayed it, you just invited the living God into your heart and into your life. <laughs> And you just decided to walk in partnership with him. To do a new thing in the earth. Walk in the ancient pathways that are good. Congratulations if so. And if not, I pray that you will change your mind. Because it's so much better with Jesus. It's so much better walking with the living God in spite of everything that could or does happen. It's better with him than without him. You guys have an excellent night or day, mid-afternoon, whatever time it is, wherever you are. And know that not only does God love you, but he loves you so much that he will empower you to do that which is good and pleasing and acceptable within his sight. In all things, in all areas. And he's not limiting you. Love you guys. Shalom.